<laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. Can't even say my own name right. Uh, episode 254. Uh, we are gunning towards the end of the quarter for me, so that's why I can't pronounce my name. I can't speak, uh, but we're, we're, we're humming through right now. So um, we've got a great episode today. This is the podcast where we help young salespeople to be successful, uh, to earn, you know, develop their skills in sales, to earn more money, to earn the promotion, to find the next job, whatever it might be. We're tackling all of the tough uh, topics and issues um, in this episode, I am interviewing Darren Dawson. Darren is uh, the co-founder of BombBomb, created the company about 10 years ago, uh, and they are you know, single-handedly focused on uh, creating better messaging through, uh, through video. So you hear a lot about video talked about uh, on LinkedIn, on, on other blogs and podcasts, uh, a lot of tactics around that for SDRs and for AEs. Uh, so Darren talks you know, about really the entrepreneurship journey that he has. We talk about, we get off of the beaten path a little bit, start talking about personal finance and, and why that's so important for salespeople. Uh, we talk about you know, video messaging and, and why, that's, uh, why that's important and how to leverage that. And even about BombBomb in particular and how they not only do well, but how they do good in their local community and in the world and why that's important and why that's something that Darren emphasizes so much uh, at his company. So um, we'll get to that in a second. Let's first give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at Postal.io. Postal helps create meaningful experiences with customers and prospects and partners um, through, you know, uh, through the gifts that you can give them, right? Uh, and so instead of sending a Starbucks gift card, you can send something from the local brewery or winery or florist to really make an impact on people. Highly recommend you go check them out uh, at Postal.io. There have been OGs of this podcast would love if you showed them some support and check them out. Um, otherwise, you can please review this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Subscribe, leave a review. Follow me on LinkedIn. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Tommy Tahoe there. Uh, YouTube, all over the place. I'm easy to access. Uh, hit me up with any questions, feedback that you have from the show. Otherwise, let's get straight into my conversation with Darren Dawson. Let's go. All right. Good morning. Welcome to the Millennial Sales Podcast. Darren Dawson here. How are you, man? Happy Friday. I'm good. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, happy Friday. Good to be here. I, I'm, I'm excited. I can read the words on your shirt for anyone that's checking us out on YouTube. He's got rehumanize uh, on the shirt, and it's something that I think we're both passionate about uh, humanizing and elevating you know, the sales profession. So um, I'm excited to chat with you about all of that. Yeah, me too. Excited. Um. So maybe just to start off, like, you know, in the, in the spirit of, of humanizing, you just mentioned before we uh, hit the record button, uh, what your team is doing after this uh, recorded session, before we even get into sales stuff. What, yeah, what, sure. What, it's what why I'm, I'm wearing a t-shirt. Uh, you know, I don't always wear a t-shirt to work, even though it's a software company, but today we're going down to our local um, um, homeless shelter. It's called the Springs Rescue Mission. And our team is hosting a barbecue for uh, about 200 homeless people. So we have a homeless problem. A lot of communities do. I know you said you live in San Francisco. You got a real homeless issues. And I think it's our responsibility if we have uh, a business in that community to try and do something about help the problem, not just complain about the problem. So we support the Springs Rescue Mission. We help that 
um, organization here. It's a nonprofit, but we, we give them money. But I think more importantly, we give our time to go down there and help people out. And I think meet these people and understand that they are humans that right now are being dehumanized, that just are kind of the outskirts or marginalized. And so how can we help them? How can we be cool and um, just show up for them in, in a way that maybe we wouldn't in another time? See, I think that the reason you probably work at BombBomb, because you can work a lot of different places, right? I could, right now, these folks could work in San Francisco and get paid San Francisco money. But why would you work at BombBomb? Because we're just, we're trying to rehumanize the planet while we rehumanize your business, while we help you use video to uh, be more face-to-face -face and more personal. But, but more than that, it's like your why, why you're here, why you're working at BombBomb is because we care about our community. We support a community in Africa. We um, do things locally with a free women's clinic, with a free uh, we, one called Mary's Home where we get homeless families off the streets. So we're trying to make an impact by rehumanizing people while we're rehumanizing your business. I think that's why people choose to still work here and uh, come to work every day. I think yeah. you have to have something more than money, right? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I'm curious, like how much time do people typically spend a year? Like obviously you're taking most of the day probably to do that, that barbecue, but you mentioned some of these other communities. Like, is there a frequency that people get involved in the community? So they get eight hours that we pay for. So we'll Yep. You know, it's and it's during the workday, right? Yep. So we let them do that. Um, we we other have other easy ways to participate. Last, uh, like about a month ago, we did a project where we funded backpacks for a bunch of kids who, you know, their families didn't have enough money to get their back to school supplies, kind of thing. So we we worked with a local organization, some other companies here, and they got ten thousand backpacks out filled with school supplies. Our teams were actually able to go there, fill the backpacks, do that type of thing. Um, there's just we try and create lots of ideas and opportunities for people to engage, either with time or with finances or whatever it might be with their skills as professionals. I think that's the other thing. As professionals, we have a lot of cool skills. Like I got designers, we got web developers. Sometimes we lend their skills. Right? It's not just about flipping burgers sometimes or packing backpacks. Right? How can we use our talents? that we have to to serve other people in this way and rehumanize them so help people that are being dehumanized whether it be through homelessness through the inability to get uh, health care um food all of those things we were trying to make an impact there i love it um so let's 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 take it back to you um tell me about your first job coming out of college did you start in sales and, and if so how did you how did you kind of get into it yep so fun fact about me i didn't go to college I oh. college wasn't, as my father said, maybe college isn't for you. And he was correct. Right. Like <laughs> I, but I was always an entrepreneur. I was the guy like hustling something like some way. Uh, sometimes it was kind of bad. I'll give you a quick story. Uh, you know, I graduated in 92. So that was a long time ago. And back then they had this thing called a mimeograph machine. It's kind of like a copier. And uh, I had a teacher and a French teacher and she taught French and chemistry and all this other, but she made these homework coupons, like literally a piece of paper. As an example, <laughs> see, I mass produced those, I'd sell them. You know, so I was always like, kind of like the that was like a bad example as an entrepreneur, but like that entrepreneurism was always there. So I've always kind of had some sort of business I was into. I, um, so out of college, I moved to Colorado. I mean, I, out of my college 
years. Let's put it that way. I didn't go to college. I did not graduate from college. My dad was like, I'm not really going to pay for this anymore. Like, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. Maybe it's not for you. I'm like, you're right. I'm out. So I went to Colorado, moved here in 95 and I've been here ever since. And um, yeah, started several different businesses, but I, yes, I've always been in sales. So I've been in sales and marketing my entire career. I, I got the opportunity to jump on early to a, a marketing company um, that was really into online marketing. So email marketing, I mean, this is like in 2001, so super early. Online market with like Yahoo was the predominant search engine. We were doing pay-per-click strategies with that. We're doing email marketing. That's where the idea for BombBomb kind of evolved. After that, I ran a sales and marketing team for a local NBC affiliate. So um, ran content on the website, initiated their first real website for that television station, then helped a group of TV stations and newspapers do that. Uh, then got this idea for BombBomb with my best buddy, Connor. So he and I are the co-founders and we just thought it'd be better. You know, this idea of TV, like you could broadcast yourself uh, or that, that you'd broadcast to a group of people who wanted to watch your content. This is not new now. You're doing this right now. You're making yeah. content. People are watching it. The idea of influencers, right? Seth Godin uh, was a big influence for me. And so we decided we make this product. We, well, we wanted to buy it to run our sales and marketing teams with it. Like I wanted yeah. a video product because it'd be easier, I thought, to send a video to talk about what you were doing because you could be more face-to-face. Because -face. I knew I was better face-to-face, -face, but I couldn't figure out, and my team was, but how I get them more face-to-face, -face, more often, more people. So that's how we came up with this idea of video email was the idea in 2006. This is before you have an iPhone with a camera in it. It's before YouTube was owned by Google, right? Mm. It's early. Like a flip cam was a big deal. Yeah. Flip cam. So some of your listeners might even not remember that. I don't know how old they might be, but that's a long time ago. We're talking 2006. So I quit my job in 2011, went full-time to BombBomb, been here ever since. So I want to get, we're going to get into BombBomb. Before we do that, um, stick with me for a second on like the early days because uh, super interesting, like college wasn't right for you. Uh, a lot of people that listen to this show, like they did go to college and sure. they probably landed their first SDR job. And they're like, probably nervous. You know, you're getting into the real world and not really sure what to do. Your life's not on the same schedule. Like walk me through you, you just graduate high school. You've got all these ideas, right? You're, it seemed like an idea guy You're ambitious in your own way. And you just move out to Colorado. And like, what's your step? Like, what's your mindset at, at that point? At probably like 18 years old. Aimless. 21. Yeah. I was 21. Okay. I was a crazy person. I was aimless. I mean, I started a, I started a painting company. Painting houses. houses? Okay. Yep. But we blew that up to like, we had like 50 people working for us. And we were doing wow. like 200 houses a, a year. Um, we got that down to a science. We launched the website that ran um we had an online house painting calculator on the website and yeah. back then all we did is run ads in like print ads to say find out how much we will paint your house for so they could get this calculation and then we'd like come out and validate it and we'd yeah. validate that and we crushed it man like we were just destroying it painting houses but um so that was the hustle from like 21 to 28-ish. And then I got the job um, in that marketing firm. And then 
I can went on to the affiliate, but I think, I think, yeah, it's a different career path now, right? Well, let's talk about that. You're right. Look, when I started in this, SDR was not a thing. BDR was not yeah. a thing. Right. Like that development role just didn't happen. You did that yourself. You're responsible for development. You're responsible for closing that deal. And so I think that's a new thing. And I, and I get why you bring that up. So I think for a lot of people, you come out of school, you get that SDR role right out of school. That's the formula now, it really is. Um, I think a lot of people need to reset expectations about how long they might have to be in that role and yeah. get the experience they need to move up. Yeah. And I really think that this comes through goal setting. And I'm a very, very big proponent here. And um, you know, I'm a mentor for a thing called Girls Club, which if you don't know what that is, check it out. It promotes women in sales and software sales. Uh, getting those jobs and getting those promotions because we've had a rough time with that, like a rough time with the ceiling about promotions and things like that. So Girls Club yeah. promotes that. So I've worked with a lot of women trying to figure out how do we set goals? How do we get the management position? How do we become senior SDR? Um, how do we run the SDR team? But it all comes down to you have to want something outside of money, right? Mm -hmm. So this has to be about you. If I'm, I'm your boss and I say your sales quota is this, whatever it is, you got to do 15 sets or 12 sets, get 12 SAOs a month. Yeah. That's never going to be the thing that drives you. If that is, I might predict that you're going to have a really hard time doing it. But if the thing that drives you is I want to get out of debt. I want to pay off my college loan. I want to buy a house. I want to get married. I want to buy a car. I don't care what it is. But you have to have that goal that you're driving to that, that, that kicks your inner drive into gear, that, that thing you're trying to get at, because it'll never be, it should never be about the money. If yeah. you can switch that gear in your head, it is life-changing forever. So, you know, I heard you're, you, you got a fiance. So if you want to get married, yeah. uh, there's a lot of things involved to get married. You got to get this ring. Maybe you already got that. I got to get maybe where we're we going to live, where we're going to do all this stuff. I and mean, there's tons of goals within that phase of life. If you still have college debt, there's a bunch of fate. Cause I would love to not have you have college debt because I think it's just a burden, right? Like, um, so the goal setting aside from what your quota is, what is given to you by whatever company you're working for, that is really a key. Because you know, like the quota that they're giving you, that's someone else telling you, this is what your this is your goal, right? Like, you you decide your goal. You know what I'm saying? And, and you sure. do have to hit a quota, right? Like, you do have to hit it, or you probably won't have a job. But that's it. Like, you have you, to have your reason, or or maybe you have a you, you want to get above that. You want to get 150 percent because of you want a promotion or something. Like, I'm a very big advocate advocate for that as well. That if you're not deciding your own goals, then you're just kind of sleepwalking through life. And, and to me. Honestly, that's the difference between an A player and not an A player. And I don't want anybody that's not an A player. And yeah. neither does anybody else, by the way. So if you are just kind of like letting this happen to you, like, oh, that's my first job out of school. So whatever. No, like stop yeah. that immediately. What are you going to, what does your life look like in a year? What does your life look like in three years? What does your life look like in five? Surround yourself with peers who are getting after the same thing you are. Stop hanging out with people that are blowing all the cash at the par every weekend. Yeah. I live this life, by the way. Okay. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. Stop it though. I mean, it's just a decision. Don't do it every weekend. Um, 
and then get someone maybe older than you that's already been there. We need these people in our lives, like to spur us on, to walk through these things with us. We need peers that are on the same page as us. We're gonna get after it today. I'm gonna to hold you accountable. I'll hold you accountable. Like we're gonna make a hundred calls. We're gonna make a hundred LinkedIn touches, whatever, whatever the yep. goal is today, who's helping you spur you on, yep. get after it. Who's the person that's already done that, that can help you see around corners, pursue these relationships in your life and tell them my goal is, I'm gonna buy a house in three years. Hmm. I think you think a lot of times when we're younger, we think these things are so far away. They are a blink in life, yeah. a blink. I'm 47. I feel like I'm 21. Like yeah. that was yesterday to me, right? Yeah. Well, I, and I, I've told this story on the podcast before, but I've, I have a, a good friend who was in sales and she had six figures of student debt. And I, she told, you know, the financial advisor, something that she met, like how much debt she had. He laughed at her. And then that year, then that year, she got 300% to goal as an AE, uh, broke some company records, sales rep of the year, paid off all her student loans in one year Love uh, it. and had some extra in the bank after. And so like, if you make it specific and make it very personal to you, like, you know, the, the wedding, you know, I don't even want to get into a San Francisco and wedding and what the cost will be. It's going to lift my heart pressure this morning. I'm, but, a, I'm a father um, of twin daughters. That's my okay. worst nightmare. It's San Francisco, <laughs> dad. I'm like, what? No, like, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. So hundred um, percent, you got to have uh, the individual goals and mindset to, you know, really kind of propel you forward. And, any um, sales job, and that never changes. So if you're an SDR, you're an account executive, you're the VP of sales. Your CEO. Your CEO. Hey, what's your goal? My VP, he knows, dude. Like, what are you trying to do right now? We're going to refinish the basement. We're going to buy another house. We're going to get an investment property. Fantastic. Because if my senior team doesn't have goals, no, not acceptable ever. Because it's the same thing. It never really changes in life, right? Yeah. Like, what do I want to do? I'm, I got all kinds of stuff I'm gaming for. But I have to push it and we have to meet our goals as a business. Then I got to drive the whole team. So the only thing that changes when you're a leader, when you're running sales teams, is you got to get these other people to do the things they need to do to get what right. you need now. That's the difference, right? Like, that's what changes. I need 160 people to do what I need them to do so we can meet our objectives as a business so that I can do what I want to do. Buy that car, whatever, invest in this thing, whatever those things are. They all change as you get up in the ladder, but it's kind of the same principle. And they, I've carried it my entire career. Do you share your own personal kind of aspirations with the team? No, it depends. That depends. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I share it with my people, like my peers, my wife, okay. right? Yeah. Like I do with my executive team. It yeah, just yeah. depends. It just not everybody can handle it. it seems crazy. Because then yeah. all they're thinking, you can get into this point where we're just making this guy rich, which is not yeah. the point of it, right? Because I was poor. I right. know what poor is. I can tell you that. I drove a Toyota Camry uh, for 11 years building this business. So trust me, like I've been there. I think that I'm going to touch on this real quick. Here's the other thing. People live above their means and it's got to stop. All right. Mm. So it's, you know, it's, um, it's kind of like a keep, you know, the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. We, yeah. we, we, we buy things to impress people who we should not care about impressing, frankly, like that's not how you build wealth. <laughs> yeah. So if you're living, like I've always tried to live at least like 50% of my income, 
Yeah. I know it's not, it's crazy. San Francisco. I don't know if that's possible, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Possible. So it's not bad if you're not, but that's what I've tried to do. I live in Colorado. I choose to do that. Right. Started a business here. I think. So what if it's, what if you could live on 80% of your income and you can kick back 20% somewhere to me, we need to be able to give and help people as we come along, but we also need to take care of ourselves and put money in the bank, not drive the car that you, they will sell you. They'll sell you that car. Should you buy it? I No, you absolutely should not. This is the type of stuff that I talk to a lot with my young salespeople, because once you start making some money, it's like, let's go to the Mercedes dealership or the Tesla yeah. dealership or whatever you're driving these days. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I drive a Toyota truck and it's, it was a nice, it's a very nice truck. It's, it's an expensive truck, but I didn't have to worry about paying for it. Is it right? So I just think yeah, yeah. these are important, right? Like totally it's a part of the equation. You can't get where you want to go by that house. Do these things. If we're just always kind of poor now, it is a great motivator because I love it. My salespeople are like, I just bought a Lexus. I just bought a new house. I just had another kid. I'm like, fantastic. Cause that's yeah. the motivation, right? Cause once you start having these things, like that's kind of a self-motivator. You got to make a certain living. But I find salespeople are always living, like you you work towards your uh, expenses. Like if their expenses are $150,000 a year, they make $160,000 a year. If they're a hundred thousand dollars a year, they make 110,000. Are you with me? Like it's just, yeah. They, if, if you can break that code in your mind as a young person starting out young professional and, and don't get into the debt trap and things like that, you will crush it. You can build wealth fast in a huge way. Trans like multi-generational wealth. That's a and that's, I'm glad we're talking about this because and it's off off the path of of maybe where we would be expected to go, which is which is totally cool, um, because we don't people don't really talk about this, right? They, they don't no, teach you no. in college. They probably don't teach you unless you were lucky enough to have a parent that, uh, or you know, teacher or coach or something yeah. that that teaches you yeah. about this. Most people, when they get in the situation, you know, you get first five years in your sales career, you have some opportunities to make life changing amounts of money, like. Yep. You know, I get, I came out of school, made 40 K, you know, entry level sales. And then like, yeah. you know, you can accelerate off that very, very quickly. Uh, if you do well and you're in the right place and, um, to not, to have an idea of like what to do with that money is so important, um, to set yourself up. So you're not just living in debt. Like if you're making 150,000 and your expenses are 140,000, right? Maybe that's a thing, but that sounds crazy. I, I, I like almost the right. when you said that almost every time when I sit down with a young person, the first thing we talk about is this and I give them a budget. I set them up with a household budget, like <laughs> in like how much money it's like a, a zero basis, freaking simple spreadsheet. And yeah. I make them do some homework. Like how much are you spending? What, what's the bar tab look like? Cause I know what this is. Like I've been there. Yeah. Right. And inevitably we're, we're dumping money on credit cards and we're making a hundred grand a year. Like what? Like why? Why? That's a lifestyle choice. And what you don't realize is that's just thinking day to day or week to week. And, and that's when I know you don't have that goal out there. Cause if you did, it would make your choices differently. Um, I think that really, if you're single, this is different too. Or if you're married, if you have kids, these are all different phases of life. I yeah. think it's harder to not do that when you're single because you you're end up going out more and things like that. But so you got to make different choices about these things. 
but that's almost the first thing I do. What are your expenses? What are you spending your money on? Usually it's, they have no idea. And then they see it and they're like, oh my gosh, like I'm spending that much on this. And you don't have as much money as you think you have, but you should, because you're right. You can make this money early and it is life changing. If you make the right choices in your twenties, yeah. dude, it is like, you don't got to worry. I still yeah. live in the same house I did when I started bomb bomb. Yeah. Like I, but it's a, it's a nice house, but do I need the bigger one? No, I really don't. Could I do it? Yes. But what's that about? Why do I think I need it? It's just, right. It's, it's philosophical. Yeah. I get it. And many of you maybe grew up differently than this. I'm just telling you freedom is in not having any debt and being able to do whatever you want. Okay. Mm -hmm. Truly not having to work. I've never worked in my life. I haven't felt like that. I never had a job. You want to feel like that. You don't carry debt with you. Yeah. It just adds so much more pressure and heaviness to whatever you're doing that I find that if you're free, right. And if you're, you're able to be more fluid with what you're doing, I think you're going to have more success versus it being so constraining. Right. So let's, let's just bring it to real, real life. Yeah. I got a quota. It's 12 SAOs say on BDR. Oh, I got a, I got a million dollar quota. I'm an account executive. Is that easier to handle mentally? Cause that's stressful. That takes years off your life. Okay. Is it easier to handle if I got 40 G's in the bank, just that I know it's just kind of like there that I got access to. Do I really now, am I worried about getting fired? Not really. Not really. Not if I know I got that. Okay. So I take the worst case scenario off the table. And once the yeah. worst case scenario is off the table, I can focus on getting after it. I can focus on making the calls, figure out what to do and excel at my career. I think worry. And if I don't do this, and it, like you got to have that self drive, but you got to take some of this, these other constraints off. Like the debt thing is just one of those things. So if you can't live like that, I think it hurts. Now I, I would say get some money in the bank, even before you start paying off this debt, put that security nest doesn't have to be 40 grand, but whatever it is like three times your monthly income, set that aside, put that there. It's your safety net. You know, SaaS companies sometimes run out of funding. What do you do if that happens? And they're not going to tell you when it's about to happen. Are you with me? Like, yeah, yeah. That's just going to happen one day. You know, we're self-funded, never taken on venture capital, not against it in any way. I'm just holding out as long as I possibly can. Right. Yeah, so yeah. that that's the key to that. But sometimes, you know, it just, what if they didn't make their number? What, what's going to happen to you? Think about your, again, what are your goals? What are your life ambitions? Knock it out of the park. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about this is two, two really good book recommendations. If you have any, feel free to chime in. But uh, one is called, it's a gimmicky name, but it's a great book. I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi, which is a lot of the basics. We're talking about emergency fund. We're talking about you know, how to set up a, a, you know, a, an investment account and a mutual fund or something like that. It's very simple, step-by-step. Step. And the other one is called The Psychology of Money, which just got, uh, it's a relatively new book and just talks about you know, there's spreadsheets for budgets, which is great. But when you spend money or you save money, it's all happens between your head and how it goes. So two books. Love that. I'm going to check those books out. I have not read those, but I'll read those. And I, my, my, I'm old school, right? So I'm, I'm Napoleon Hill. I'm like think and grow rich oh, and, um, <laughs> and rich dad, poor dad. It's as old yeah. school as it gets, but dude, fundamentally very sound. My children will not be able to leave my house without reading both of those books. It's not, you, you can't get married. You can't leave the house. You can't go to college. And talk about those <laughs> To think and grow I won't rich. Pay for the I, wedding. Like you can get married. I just won't pay for the wedding if you haven't read to, the book. 
the Think and Grow Rich, I've told this story probably 75 times on this podcast, so I won't belabor the audience, but it changed my life. Hundred, Like I was post-grad partying, doing the yeah. whole thing, you know, five days a week while working my first sales job, read yeah. that book. And it was like, oh shit, I can, I can <laughs> control my life. This is crazy. I didn't know that. was. Uh, yeah. Crazy. That's I'm glad, man. That's it. I had the same kind of aha moment reading that book. I try and read that, you know, every couple of years, at least now, just because it's fresh every time it's really, and, and by the way, if you want to get after your career, you don't have a choice, but reading, you need to be reading like 15 minutes a day, something. I don't care if it's challenger sale, think or grow rich. If it's, but it's in the career path, right? Like know what your career path is. And if it's, and that's what it is today. So if you're an SDR and you're in a career path of sales, read in sales, read, I call them like the historic works of Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar. Oh, yeah. And then go and read the new uh, stuff that is coming out. Like there's all kinds of it. I'm a huge Jocko Vanderkooch fan, like winning by design, yeah. watch the videos on YouTube, but be a student of your craft. You went to college, you ne learning never ends. That, that's how I got away with not going to college, by the way, because yeah. I was books on tape in my car, listening to Brian Tracy, uh, yeah. psychology of selling, right? So that never ends. You can never not be a student. You can leaders are readers, period. If you interview with me, I go, what book is it? What's the last book you read? And if that is like an, you haven't, or you don't have one, that's just like, or if it's like, I don't know, some everybody read it thing. I'm be like, yeah, ah, pass. I'm sorry. What's like, what's the last book you read, Darren? Oh my gosh. Um, it's on my desk at my house. It's, um, less stupid or oh, it's um i'm reading it right now the road less stupid okay the road less stupid i'm not gonna be able to give you the author but okay. it's like all the bad things we do as business leaders yep. in a yep. book and help us remind us why we shouldn't make them i'm halfway through it's really good so the road less stupid i like it i like that title so good um well, now, if you want to give me a donation for my wedding, because I have read to Think and Grow Rich, I'll send you my Venmo after the show, and you could uh, you could fundraising. Well, yeah, you you <laughs> could choose a less expensive place, though, Tom. You know, that is a, I mean, she might not like that, but it's possible. You both you both live in San Francisco, right? We do, yeah, yeah, we do. So it's got to happen. And Boston isn't happen. any cheaper either. So yeah, yeah, I, we're we're choosing between like you know the two. It's like you know the Boston New York area or. San Francisco area. So um, yeah, it's a lose-lose. Again, as a father of twin girls, it's just, I've been saving for years for this. So yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about humanizing sales for a bit. Um, hopefully people have been taking some notes uh, so far on the personal development and the financial side, but talk to me a little bit about, um, we, we've talked about video, uh, using it for prospecting, Obviously, everyone's on Zoom nowadays, uh, even though they, you know, we weren't really like five years ago. But walk me through 10 plus years at BombBomb. Like walk me through the evolution that you've seen of how important it is to humanize the sales process digitally. I think every year someone's saying like it's the year of video, right? Like literally every year since I, like I quit my job in 2011 and came in full time. We had maybe 400 customers. Now we have like 70,000 customers. And, and um, I've seen this whole thing transpire. But it's the same problem that we solved back then. And what, what the, the problem we had in 2006 is a problem we have today that um, guess what, Tom, we've never met, but you're better in person than you are over a text email. 
you're better in person than you are over the phone. You are. So as human beings, I believe human beings have intrinsic value and that we communicate more non-verbally than verbally, far more, um, even more um, non-verbally than, than over text. So this new world of text really has only come out in the last 20 years or so with email, texting on our phones, uh, social media, even more recent, right? And so I think, I call it like, you know, we've, we've kind of lost this ability to be person to person, but I think there's a desire for that. I think it, it, it translates to authenticity, transparency. And I, frankly, I think folks in your generation want that more um, yeah. than, than mine. And so any business leader that I would ask, what is your most important asset in a business? 100% of them are going to say they're people. Yep. Yet what we're doing right now is hiding your, our people behind a lot of technology, okay? So either that be bot automation, it could be you know, you know, sales automation tools, which all have their place, but there is a, also a place to put your smart, intelligent people in front of the customer again. So I really believe now, dude, that our, our unique selling proposition in software, especially in software, yeah. is really our people because like, look, let's just say you own a video company too, just like me. We, we're competitors actually. Um, you have some features I don't have. I have some features you don't have. But at the end of the day, all I need is time and money and all you need is time and money to build the feature I have or vice versa, right? With me? Sure. Yep. The difference though, between us is our people, our experiences, the things that we bring to bear, how we build relationships, what you think about us rehumanizing the planet and going to Springs Rescue Mission and all this other stuff. If that matters to you, my people tell that story more than any brand, identity, website, whatever it is, right? Hmm. Feature in the software. So what I want to do is put your people in front of your customers a lot more and they get to experience that because the customer experience is why I'm going to choose why if, if we're competing for one customer, that customer is going to choose your eye based on that, that experience they get. And I think that's what everybody has to start thinking about delivering. How do we deliver this customer experience from, from, you know, from awareness and education about our product all the way to expansion or, um, a, uh, uh, retention of our product. So if we're going to buy more from us, so people are going to buy more from us, they're going to, they're going to sign that contract for a longer term. They're going to renew the contract. That's all about the experience of the business. Yep. How are we going to, what are you going to do listener? How are you going to make your experience that you're delivering either as an individual or as a business different than your competitor? I will challenge you that you are what's different. You are. Yeah. Your individual, Aldi, your what you care about. These are the things that like that change what I think about you. When I meet you as a person, we build a relationship. Relationships are still pe people still buy from people they know, like and trust. And I think that's a it's, it's the big differentiator coming up. I, I would 100% agree. At Gong, we call that building raving fans, um, and yep. that's you know a key principle of of, you know, wanting to, to, you know, just go way out of our way to delight every prospect and customer. And like for me building this podcast, right? Like I've started to do something where when people engage with my post on LinkedIn, I DM dozens, hundreds of people every week uh, saying, Hey, did you check out the podcast? What'd you think? I'd love you. Cause that's that. worth your time. Right. Cause you're building these a thousand, like, dude, I love that because Seth Godin, like I told you is a big influence yeah. on us. 
that yeah. book that uh, talking about a thousand true fans, that's, that's mm-hmm. all we wanted to try and build. Right. Yeah. We're lucky enough right now. They're like 70,000. Like, that's great. Whew. But, but, but dude, I'm not afraid to do the hard work to get that. Yeah. DM those people. Cause you're building that base, but how are you going to do that? Like you're doing that personally, right? Like right. there's a grind there, but the grind is worth it when you're building relationships that have a lifetime value that's exponential to the original amount it took you to get them. So that's the, the here's your SaaS lesson, right? The cost to acquire your customer there was yep. a DM that costs you time, which is there's a monetary effect of time. But then when you did that, what's the lifetime value of that relationship? If they go on to be the CEO, CEO of some massive company, right. you never know. You're playing these seeds. The grind is worth it. I think this human effort is a part of the future and that we're going to, we're going to change again. So I call that digital pollution. We're doing a lot of digital pollution right now. We're just like throwing stuff at people. Let's get back to people again. It's worth it. Um, I'm curious, you, you mentioned this earlier, like you're going up head to head with someone and, you know, in your space, like video is a, uh, a competitive space. Yeah. Uh, similarly, like I'm in a competitive space too. Like, so do you tell that story? Like do, does a sales rep tell that story of, you know, doing the rehumanizing, with the efforts that you have at the homeless shelter or in Africa or whatever, like how does that come through in either your sales or marketing? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's there in the sales and marketing just from like, we give free accounts to nonprofits. The, the yep. thing that we have going for us is that um, we've been doing this since 2006 and most, and a lot of these folks have been doing it a long time. No one sent more video, more personal one-to-one videos than people at Bomba. One of our sales reps, one of them is like, at, I think he's at 25,000 personal videos. <laughs> that should be like, what? Right. So, so it says it on his email saying, sure. So he's like, I personally send like, he keeps his number going. And then dude, and most of them have, or most of them are over like 15,000. Cause we don't wow. send text emails. Do we send, I sent you a video email yesterday. I don't believe in it. Like I believe that's better if you see me than it is if you just see another freaking black text on a white screen. And we all believe that. So we've been doing that so long that usually that's what we lead with. People, yeah. people are afraid of doing video. They don't know, they don't like how they look and they don't like how they sound and they don't know what to say. Yeah. So we help people, moreover, we guide them how to do it, what to say. Because look, if you're if your sales message sucks, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's on video or not right? Like I'm still going to ignore you. I think that's the problem. So we got to help you be comfortable on camera, know what to say, when to say it, how to do it. And so we have the most veteran team to do that. So that's my unique selling propositions that we've been doing this since 2011. I have 10 years. No one else can say that. Probably. I think my number is like in the 10,000 something, the salespeople get a lot more reps at it, you know? Yeah. But I've sent like 10,000 personal videos and I'm proud of that. Right. So I have zero fear of sending a personal video and we do it, you know, through, I do it through Gmail. I do it on social. I do it everywhere I can, because I just believe that you meeting me, you get a feeling of who I am and what I'm about. But then, yes, I could tell you why you might want to choose bomb bomb. Cause we're not just rehumanizing your business. You're, we're, we're trying to rehumanize the planet. So when you pay us, we're doing stuff maybe that other people aren't doing. It is part of our story. And when we get to tell it, we like to. I love it. Uh, all right, here's my last question for you. I'm curious, in the scheme of humanizing sales, um, I agree video is a godsend in doing that, especially in the last two years with COVID, you're not able to go on site. I've found personally, some of the joy that I get from sales is going, like, is taking that, you know, I had the Seattle territory, like my last job. So like, you know, every other week, 
I get that 6 a.m. SFO to Seattle flight. You're there for the day or two. You, you have the meetings. You, you have the post-meeting beer or lunch or someone. People are, you know, sh you know shaking hands, all that. And I, I miss that. So I'm curious, like, where do you see just in general, like five years from now, are we, are we back to a bunch of in-person meetings? Are we making the videos in Zoom, like breaking down the Zoom fatigue somehow? Like where, where's that all going in your opinion? That's good. I get this a lot. I think it's a blend. Obviously, I think that's a new world of sales. I love doing that. It's my favorite thing. I built this business doing what you just described is my favorite thing. I am, I am excellent at a cocktail hour. I am fantastic. <laughs> I'm really, really good it. at it. I'm very good at it. Um, there's an you know, like old fashioned in my hand and a room full of people. I don't know, like, let me go. So, um, that's not going to change. And I think that's going to continue to be that way. Uh, building business relationships is the, is the fundamental, right. And in building no like and trust. But then what I want you to do, Tom, is after you get back on the plane and you fly back to SFO, you get off, you get back in the Monday morning, or if you're in the office, or even if it's in a hotel room, send the video to those people you hung out with and be like, Hey, I just had, I had a great time. So good to see you face to face. Gosh, I can't wait for the next time. Hey, if it's cool, let's touch base on what we talked about here, here. And here. like, you're just yeah. reinforcing that relationship with async video. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Like it's a reinforcer. It is the, it is synchronous to it too. Like it's, it should be as hand in glove as the old fashioned. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> like video follow-up, I think in the, we, we always talk about video in this like SDR role. I really think dude, that like video in the account executive role in the, um, um, the, even in the customer success manager roles or account yeah. manager roles, like can, again, the experience I bring Tom's cool in person, right? That's what you're telling me because right. more I'm in person, the better I am. Great. Don't, well then why quit doing that later? Like right. when you're in the middle of a deal and you're negotiating the deal, if you're not face-to-face, -face, send the video because you can be review outline, like do a screen share, right? And say, Hey, here are the main points. I know we're talking about this. Hey, look, I know where you're coming from and I understand why you have this object. See how I'm delivering that. Yeah. You cannot do that in a text email. You can't do it in an email. You could do it in the phone, but you got to coordinate the phone call and get them on the phone. Yeah. You can watch a video on their, they can watch the video on their time and they can mm -hmm. feel you, your humanity, your tone, your sincerity. Hey man, look, I can't get them to budge on this. It ain't going to work. Look, it, I hate to say it, but we got to walk away if we can't get that done. I can say that to you in a video. I can't say that in any other way, unless I'm face to face. Mm, I Is love that it. a good enough? Like that's so I'm with. Yeah. So it's yeah, get on the plane. But when I'm deal, when I'm, I call it deal doing, do those yeah. deal doing tasks, moments that matter. That's video, dude. Mm. It doesn't all have to be video. But if it's critical, there's a lot of critical moments in that sales process that needs to be face to face, but can't be. That's when you need to send a video. I love it. Darren, you are just like a shot of espresso for me. Uh, I'm ready awesome. to <laughs> I'm ready to roll for the second half it's here. later uh, in your uh, day. So, hey, man, get after it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any any last words um, that or anything like, you know, topics or, or points you want to make that we didn't get to and then uh, obviously let the people know the best place to find you if it's LinkedIn or email or, yep. you know, I don't know if you're on something else. I'm too old to be, I guess. Anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was told I need to be on TikTok. They're like, you need to be just you on TikTok. I'm like, all right, I'll check that out. I don't know. 
how my son's video. Yeah. I mean, yeah, until I get it. That's what they said too. But hey, um, you know, just keep after it. I think it's it's hard. Like, don't expect things to come as quickly as you might think they should. Um, life is a you have to grind it a bit, and you have to earn it. Is not given to you. Go get it. You have what it takes. You're smart enough, talented enough. You can figure it out. Um, leaders are readers. Make sure yeah. if you're not reading now. Get that book. Figure it out. But um, and you can find me at bombbomb.com. You can find me on LinkedIn is the best place to find me. Um, I try and respond to everybody with a video that just just my only ask, and I always ask this in every podcast, just like you don't have to send me a video, but just like don't send me like some generic thing. I hate that so much. Like just be yeah. like, hey, what's up? Sign Tom, heard you on Tom's podcast, just want to connect. You will get a video from me, I promise. <laughs> I love it. Darren, I appreciate you coming on and uh wishing you well for the uh for the barbecue you too, man Good luck on that sfo marriage brother <laughs> what's up everybody thanks for checking out that podcast uh happy july to you uh would love if you took 22 seconds and hit subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this uh apple spotify youtube your favorite podcast player and be sure to check out some of my content on linkedin uh, i'm tom Alemo, and on twitter and instagram i'm at tommy tahoe have a great day Make it legendary. Peace.